To the rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Pokemon Detective Pikachu, and I'm happy to be joined by my friend Fred Cobb to break this one down. Fred, thanks for being here. Thank you very much. Always thrilled to be on your podcast. Yeah, so Detective Pikachu is I don't man, I don't even really know how to describe Pokemon because it was like such a big thing that encapsulated like so many different mediums, but has kind of like been away from like really really the most popular of culture for lack of a better term for like like at least 15 years now but i mean you know i'm sure everyone had some level of relationship with it whether it be the playing cards the tv shows the video games comics don't forget pokemon go can't forget about pokemon Go. right i i i I, 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 that's the thing i never got back into it a few years ago so i guess it did have a a brief moment though i guess at the same time like they probably thought a movie like this is a good idea because people that were like super into pokemon as kids are now the people that you know pay to go to movies so pokemon detective pikachu uh is a live action movie aside from like the the Pokemon of it all, uh, in which uh, Tim Goodman, a 21-year-old insurance adjuster who had who's grown up with his grandma after his mother died and has an estranged father who was a, a detective in Rhyme City where Pokemon and people kind of live alike, whereas everywhere else in the world, they are just kind of living in the wild. And he gets called into Rhyme City after his dad dies under suspicious circumstances. And when he's going through his dad's apartment, he comes across a Pikachu that is voiced by Ryan Reynolds that he can all of a sudden talk to. They kind of figure out that, hey, if uh, this Pikachu had some relationship with his dad, maybe his dad is not not dead and they go off on a mission to find tim's dad whose name is harry and they end up crossing hairs with uh this big scary media conglomerate company that uh has a father-son duo at the top and one of them might be a bad guy one of them might be a good guy you don't know and we're kind of off and we encounter a bunch of other different pokemon along the way to solve this mystery so before i jump into this fred i i, I should ask you uh in your in, in your our resident uh, non American citizen on this podcast, though you moved to America, I guess around the time where like kids were probably pretty into Pokemon. Was it something that you got into? And I guess I shouldn't just say it's just an American thing. It was obviously a worldwide phenomenon. So like, what oh, was yeah. your, what was your relationship with Pokemon at, uh, when you were a youngster? Um, I played most of the Game Boy games actually. I got the first one, the Blue Edition, when it came out in the late nineties. I think that might have been ninety eight or ninety nine. Right. Um, and then I updated to the Gold Edition a few years later. And then the last one I had was Pokemon Sapphire. Gotcha. So, yeah, like every two or three years, whenever they came out with a new version that was set in a slightly different universe and they added 100 or 150 extra Pokemon, um, I always wanted to get it. And my parents figured, well, as long as we can keep the kids busy, <laughs> might be might be a good investment, right? Yeah, um, I, I, th- I, think it lo- I think Pokemon kind of lost me when they added on that extra 150 pokemon i guess i was kind of in on it i don't want to say in in on it like a little earlier but i guess i could what there was a there was an original 150 right and right and then they added and in a I bunch of i distinctly remember most of them because i actually had a panini sticker album and i had i think almost 
all 150 stickers. I was missing 10 or 15. Wait, you and then say, my parents, you, oh, so you say stickers as opposed to the trading cards themselves? Yeah, you like stickers. You'd actually like take them off and then just like glue them gotcha. into the album. So and, yeah, I mean, I, I was always yeah, into it. My enough. parents actually had to, my parents actually had to order the last ten or fifteen. I remember directly from uh, the publisher because did, I wanted to complete the wow. collection. Did, so you, so you, did you did you end up getting it done or no? Uh, yeah, no, I, and I still have it somewhere. Oh, I was going to ask if you sold it or something. I don't know if that thing's worth anything, but I, 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 I myself was, I guess, actually fairly into the trading cards, and like I knew a lot of those original set of Pokemon, and I played Game Boy. I think I guess I played the red and the blue, and then I got the special yellow Game Boy with the yellow uh, Where version. Where actually followed you around? Yeah, I had I, I had that one, and I I think I left it on a plane once when I and I was very crushing when I was in oh, third or fourth grade, and that might have been like the height of my Pokemon involvement, and then it might have been downhill from there. I guess I I played one of the other video console games. I played the um, like Pokemon Stadium. I, I think I watched the animated TV show some, but I wasn't like in enough where I like I was totally in and like had the biggest of card collections and actually played the battle games. So. I, I guess I was somewhere between like a casual fan and like a total fanatic, and then I was just totally out for a while. Like I said, I didn't get in enough when everyone did Pokemon Go a few years back. So I mean, I was I was surprised because Pokemon Go kind of died off too, and I was like, they're really going to make a big budget movie out of this. Uh, and I think people were even like more cynical about the movie thing when they saw the trailer, and it's like, oh, we're going to do like a smart out Pikachu verse by voice by Ryan Reynolds. Is this really necessary? And maybe they wanted a more earnest like just kind of celebration nostalgia trip and they got worried that maybe this wasn't going to be exactly that so uh as someone that did have the level of involvement that you did with the pokemon in various mediums growing up what did you want to get out of a pokemon movie so the fascinating thing about this whole world is that you don't really understand a whole lot of it when you're a kid right the most important stuff is that you get to leave home leave your parents behind i mean who doesn't want that as a kid right a lot of freedom and you walk around and you battle with other teenagers mm-hmm. and you get in fights with your pokemon that's all the fun stuff that you have in those game boy games but there's really a lot of world building involved in pokemon as well because you don't have any animals in this world so pokemon essentially replace animals there Right. And there's, I mean, there are a lot of like interesting questions that that raises, right? For example, where do people get their meat from? Do they actually eat the Pokemon? So, man, I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah. So there are a lot of philosophical underpinnings that you can get at when you really start thinking about this world. And I guess I did want it to go that in depth, but I was kind of hoping that if you have a live action Pokemon movie that is set in this particular world, um, that isn't just aimed at kids that are six years old. Right. Uh, that they were going to actually really try to get at some of those questions and uh, sort of uh, elaborate on some of the concepts we already saw in the animated show and the video games. Yeah, I mean, I I guess, I don't know who, I mean, I'm sure there are people out there somewhere that still watch those old animated shows in some format, but I mean, all I can vaguely remember from watching them growing up was like, they had Pokemon battles. I don't actually really remember any world building from that, so that's where I probably thought that this movie had like the most potential. And, you know, like I, I left it after I went with my friend Charlie uh, and kind of we left it. And, I, and he said, oh, it kind of reminded me of Venom, which sure, even if like not a flattering uh, comparison. Uh, no, but like, I mean, I actually kind of liked the second half of Venom when it was more just them kind of talking and you got through all the exposition. And I said, I can kind of see that if you're just talking about like, hey, you get some fun, witty banter, uh, even if this is rated. This is actually rated PG and Venom was PG-13 when it should have been rated R. Uh, or no, Venom was rated R, right? Um was it? 
Um, or maybe I, I don't think it. I don't. I don't think it was. I think that was the whole issue. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, it was like there should have been more blood in it than there was. Was the thing. Yeah, and a lot yeah, more yeah. swearing and a lot more. Profanity. Yeah, you're right, right. So I don't know. Yeah, that was like probably like a mistake that movie made. But anyway, like I was just like, yeah, I can kind of see some of the Venom comparisons, but at the same time, like it was just so much exposition that this wasn't all that interesting. And like we've seen San Francisco like depicted so much in movies recently. It's like I don't really care at this point. And here it's like, man, like I could have done a lot more exposition like it might have been a little clunky at the beginning when like you're trying to like learn about tim's family and it's like oh here's this flashback to mom like not being able to go to my competition because she's going to the hospital and it's like that maybe dragged a little bit but like at the same time it's like and i i remember playing the the game boy games and it's like you just throw your pokemon ball it's like, like a pokemon that you want and then it's yours you know like you might have to like have one of your things battle it and then you get it but like here it's like a whole thing where at the beginning he's like talking to the guy from deadpool which is like I don't. I don't really think that was necessary. You don't need to like make people think about Deadpool anymore when they're watching this movie. And I like Deadpool, but it's like he's playing with them. He's like, "Yeah, man, you got to make it yours." And I'm like, "What does that even mean?" You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I kind of want to know that kind of stuff too. On top of everything else that goes on in this world and how it functions. Yeah, I mean, I'm just gonna like let the cat out of the out of the back right away. I did not like this movie at all, okay. and the, and the biggest reason for that is you already kind of touched on it is that you have a lot of opportunities when you make a Pokemon movie, and it's really the first time you're doing a live-action version of this universe. Mm -hmm. And I just thought they half-assed it. I really didn't get the sense that they understood all the potential that this had and what people really love about the franchise. And a big part of that is Rhyme City. Is actually So you made the comparison to Venom. I thought the much more um, immediate comparison that came to my mind was Utopia. Because you have a city that is essentially run by, not Pokemon, but they do play a major part in some of the functions. For example, you have Squirtles working for the fire department. Uh, rush hour traffic is slowed down because a Snorlax is passed out in the middle of the intersection. That's a thing in Zootopia? Uh, that oh, oh sorry, in Pokemon. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I got you. You mean they're, they're, they're performing functions in Pokemon, kind of like they run the city in Zootopia. Kind of like the animals did in Zootopia, right, exactly. Right. right, right. right. It's just there's, so, no pe- there's no people in Zootopia, though. That is correct, yes. But, I, but you still kind of get the similarities, right? Right. But the, problem, but the problem is you kind of get these shots of the Snorlax in the intersection and the Squirtles helping to put out a fire. But other than that, I never really got the sense that they fully thought about, hmm, so how exactly does this work when you have Pokemon that are in many ways autonomous because fighting is outlawed in the city? So I guess ownership of Pokemon isn't really a thing either. So they're partners. They're not owners, I guess they call it. They call them partners. They call them partners. Yeah. But in reality, what it really boils down to is in most other places in the world, because Rhyme City is special, right? The whole idea is, is that fighting is outlawed and humans and Pokemon are supposed to live together in symbiosis. Mm -hmm. But they never really thought about what that would entail in terms of, okay, so you have a whole bunch of Pokemon doing their own thing. You have humans doing their own thing. How exactly are the daily interactions? And I wish they would have touched on that a lot Especially because they're not supposed to be able to communicate, really. That's the other thing, yeah. And the other problem is the whole premise of Pokemon not being allowed to fight in this place. I guess that is very 2019. It's very nice that we're sending this message that obviously we don't want to mistreat animals and... That is a good message to send, of course. But the whole appeal of the games was that Pokemon would fight each other. Right. And I'm sorry that that is, of course, uh, 
that goes against the message that you really want to send to some of the target audience here, which is kids. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's a lot of the excitement of this franchise. And the one battle that we really get is Charizard against Pikachu, and Pikachu isn't really fighting. He's just kind of terrified out of his mind. Yeah, there's not a, there's not like a lot of uh, great reasoning to just not have Pikachu have his powers for the majority of this movie. Yeah, except that he just forgot how to use them. Right. And that's unfortunate because Pikachu using his powers that is a major part of the animated show as well. So it would have been kind of nice to really see that in live action at one point, but mm-hmm. um, that's not really something we ever get in to use against another Pokemon. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, overall, I, I definitely agree with you. Like that was my biggest criticism as well coming out of the movie where it's like it, it, it does a lot of stuff to like in the back half of this movie where you, it really rushes through a lot of different things that are just oh, yeah. about like just the powers and the conspiracies and all that. And like it jams a ton of stuff into there that I just did not find anywhere as near as interesting as just how rhyme city works and uh-huh. it's it, it, I, th- I feel like they build up rhyme city a lot in the trailer actually like it looks pretty cool you know oh it does i mean no it's like this slightly i don't know uh what brighter version of what you might think of when you like envision blade runner or something like that like or yeah or or just or i mean slightly somewhat asian but not like totally asian and just ha- it, it does feel somewhat unique from anything i've seen in a movie even if it is drawing from other things and it's like and it, you get you definitely get a sense of that in that trailer and they're trying to build it up as tim approaches it for the first time here and it's like oh, okay cool we're gonna get to see what really get to see how this thing looks and you don't get that much of a feel for it and uh, and you don't really see that much of it until they're having their big cgi fight at the end you know yeah, let me ask you another question mm-hmm. since you just mentioned the city's resemblance to what you would expect to see in Asia. Mm-hmm. Where do you think Ram City was supposed to be located? I just just well is it is it on planet is it on is it on planet Earth? I mean, I I kind of went in just assuming it was kind of like I guess Japanese. I mean, and then they have the Ken Watanabe character, but then at the same time, there's not another Asian person in this movie besides. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You, okay. You got exactly well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which, it, I didn't which seems a little problematic, given that like this, you are heavily drawing from like Asian culture here. Yeah, and I'm actually shocked because I know that was a huge point of contention a couple of years ago when Ghost in the Shell came out. Mm-hmm. But for this one, I've never, I haven't really seen that point of criticism anywhere, which is surprising because I figured that would be something people well, yeah, would. It's like super, like all every, I mean, it's all the cartoons are. They're, I mean, they're basically anime, even if they're not like completely anime, you know. And mm-hmm. then it's like, all right, we're gonna. I mean, I guess good on them for having some diversity. They have a person of color in the lead, and then it's like, all right, then uh, we're gonna have a, a, a blonde haired blue eyed girl. And I actually really love Catherine Newton as an actress, but like, you know, it's 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 just odd choices. Yeah, and I mean, actually, since you mentioned Catherine Newton already, I like her too. She was great in Big Little Lies, um, which is coming back. And Blockers. And oh. hmm? Blockers. Yeah. Blockers, also a very good one. And Halt and Catch Fire, which I highly recommend, uh, which like no one has seen, but I mean. Yeah, I'm, I haven't seen it either, but it, it, okay. So yeah. She's been doing a lot of things, but the problem I wanted to point out here with that character in particular, uh, did you ever watch Smallville by any chance? I was actually very into Smallville. Okay, so I immediately thought Chloe Sullivan when I saw Catherine Newton's character. Yeah, you, 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 you know, do, you, of... do you know what's going on with uh, Allison Mack these days? Of course, exactly. So. <laughs> your, your mind just kind of went to there during the movie. Yeah, and the problem, okay, here's the problem. That stock character is not particularly flattering to begin with, but now, of course... Plucky, that... plucky reporter girl? Exactly, yeah. Uh, and now that Allison Mack obviously is so strongly associated with that stereotype... 
it's a little difficult to think of that sort of character the same way. Um, I don't particularly think that she has a lot of chemistry with uh, Tim to begin with. And no, I think, but I think she's a better actress than he is. She's uh, a much an actor. better actress. And I think the whole reason they have a romance in the first place is so Ryan Reynolds can get some funny lines and trying to ship them. Right. But other than that, I didn't really get a good sense that they were a good fit for each other. No, 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 not at all. But I mean, like that, they didn't really. They, luckily, they didn't spend too much time on that. That they is just, true. They just gave. They gave, like you said, they gave Ryan Reynolds a few one-liners, and that was pretty much it. I mean, we didn't even really talk about Ryan Reynolds yet. I mean, I do. I don't. Do you think? I don't think people. I, I like Ryan Reynolds, but I don't know if this is like he's the reason people are going to go see this movie. Like, I don't think you're going to be like. I wasn't I wasn't into Pokemon, but now that Ryan Reynolds is Pikachu, I'm going to go see it. And I think that like it, it, people bring a lot of baggage into the movie now because of that. Like you know, even if you enjoy Ryan Reynolds when he tries to even do slightly different things than like typical smart alecky Ryan Reynolds things, he always feels like he's some version of Ryan Reynolds. And uh-huh. so then when you're having what should be something like a very serious moment at one point where Pikachu has like a, a scare where he's like very hurt in this movie and Tim calls him his partner for the first time. Like I, I I'm spending that whole scene thinking that he's Pikachu is joking just to get him to call him his partner and that he's about to snap out of it and he's faking the injury. And I don't know if I would have thought that if it was someone other than Ryan, like a no name person other than Ryan Reynolds voicing it. I mean, did you think Ryan Reynolds brought enough to the movie to like make it worth them having Ryan, Ryan Reynolds in this role? The problem is Ryan Reynolds' voice and just his whole mannerisms are so distinct at this point because we associate them with Deadpool yeah. that it's almost difficult to disassociate Ryan Reynolds from the voice of Pikachu. And again, like, so, the, and, and, and they don't really run away from that at all because the first person you see in this movie, aside from Justice Smith, is the guy that plays Dopender in Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it seems like they're almost inviting the comparisons, right. which is strange because those are two very different target audiences. And that's a definite rated R movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Ryan Reynolds, you know, he's a fun guy. He's somebody who clearly likes pop culture. He also always shows up on uh, the Honest trailers for the Deadpool um, movies. Oh, really? Yeah. I watch Honest trailers. I just I actually don't know if I've watched the Deadpool ones before. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds is actually on those, and he, okay, gets, that's cool. uh, he makes some jokes. So he's the kind of guy who loves to like interact with his yeah. fans. I, I guess really- yeah, I guess I'm just mixed on it in this movie, though. You know, like I, I, I had those preconceived notions that maybe affected the way I watched certain scenes. But at the same time, one thing the movie does really well, it does make these Pokemon look pretty cute. Uh, yeah. Like, and I think even someone that didn't like the movie like you can agree with that. And so it's funny when like I, I do get a kick out of talking animals and like you said they are kind of in places of animals so like it's like an easy way to get me to laugh to like have a cute looking animal like say something funny or snide or something so and i guess ryan reynolds did that movie the voices a few years ago where i guess he actually did like do the voices of like talking live action animals in there so it's not exactly the newest territory for him but like i do get a kick out of that kind of thing if nothing else which is i guess why there is like a baseline level of entertainment for me in this movie where i never totally tuned out so yeah and you know the whole ryan reynolds thing aside what you were saying a lot of the pokemon do look really good not just cute but genuinely very well animated i thought the bulbasaurs were adorable i would definitely like to have one of those at home yeah um, which is interesting is that, like, uh, that, that looked exactly like the cartoons almost whereas like they yeah. kind of went a different way with like Charizard and made it like way more like live action-y looking like a real dragon type of thing yeah real, real dragon whatever you know what I mean yeah and I also thought the whole scene with Mr. Mime was pretty funny the only problem with that was that most of that was in the trailer yeah. already and that was really annoying because I thought that was one of the funniest scenes in the entire movie yeah 
And the other thing is I also thought Psyduck was kind of funny. Yeah. I really wish he would have evolved into Golduck because that is one of the coolest evolutions in the entire franchise, aside from Magikarp going to Gyarados, right. which we did see yeah, yeah. in this movie. But uh, So I was a little disappointed that didn't happen. But, you know, I thought that was kind of funny. But, but again, like, aesthetics. you know, one of the things I'm talking about, like when I mentioned at the beginning of the movie is that, and I, and I agree, like Psyduck was fun, but like part of that also is that like I wanted to like learn a little bit more about how this works in practice, not even just how Rhyme City works in practice, but like how someone comes to like find their partner. You know, like, I mean, I get it. Like, we're not going to like the, the Tim, uh, the Tim, the Harry Pikachu, Tim stuff, like because of the general thrust and ultimate resolution of that, like, you're not going to really find out how Harry and Pikachu came to be. But like, why, why is Lucy like with Psyduck? You know, like he's he's just following her around. Like maybe there's something more there and we could have like gotten a little more of that other than the fact that like she's just dragging him around everywhere. Uh, yeah, I guess that is a good question. So do people just randomly throw Pokeballs at Pokemon until they connect with, is with it, one of well, them? Obviously or? it's not a – yeah, I guess there's that or – I mean but it's it's implied when like the – I forgot what the kind of thing is that where's the skull on his head, what that thing's called. Um, but like it's implied that you got to like at least put a little effort in to make some kind of connection maybe or something like that. And there's some kind of initial attraction, like beyond just thinking that thing looks cute. And Mm -hmm. that's just the kind of like a a unique kind of world building type of thing. That's different from like just a simple animal movie, you know, um, that's, it's going to be different than someone finding a dog and it'd be cool to see how they differentiate themselves in that way. Because like you said, these are these are the these these are more than just pets, but they, they function in the world in so many ways. So it's like, why not show us more sides of that? You know, other than just like making it a given that everyone's like, oh, everyone has a Pokemon. Why don't you have a Pokemon, Tim? It's like, well, why? How does everyone get their Pokemon? I th- I just thought there was room in this movie to explore that because we haven't even gotten to like most like we haven't even talked about most of the conflict in this movie because quite frankly, it's really not all that interesting. So it's like, you know, like maybe they could have like actually found a way to do that. You know. Yeah, and I think a good comparison um, for this kind of relationship that the people have with the Pokemon is the Golden Compass, actually. Because in that, have you ever seen the movie? I actually, the I actually, I actually haven't. No. So the whole premise there is that when you're born, your soul actually takes the shape of an animal and walks next to you. Mm-hmm. So you have a companion, and the animal, when you become an adult, takes a permanent shape. Up until that point, when you're a child, the animal still changes to a whole bunch of different things, like uh-huh. a bird, um, some kind of rodent, a dog, like whatever you want it to be. Right. But then once you're an adult, you have a permanent companion in form of an animal, like Daniel Craig has a snow leopard, for example, <laughs> or and Nicole Kidman has some kind of monkey. Huh. Um, so that companion is supposed to represent your personality and be a sort of um, counterbalance to your best and worst instincts. Well, so, who knows? Maybe, maybe there was some version of this movie where they get at something like that. But, you know, instead, the main conflict is that they have this weird potion that they're using to just, like, be able to put the souls of humans into the Pokemon. What I it, really hope, yeah, I really hope some of the people in this movie got a big paycheck for that because that whole plot was very unflattering to them, specifically Bill Nye. Yeah, I mean, I guess he probably deserves a little better, but I'm sure, like, this, I'm, I'm sure he did get paid. So, like, uh, yeah. I mean, I, but it's not only just that. It's like we're, they're going to do this whole entire other thing where there's a lab where there's a Mewtwo that we think is bad, but then he's uh-huh. but then he's good, but then he's used for bad, and then all of a sudden he can, like, turn back time or, like, undo everything with a snap of his fingers. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I just I, – it's like – I get it. Like this movie has to be some conflict. It can't just be like three hours of world building as interesting as that might've been. But like, you know, I just don't think they really 
put put all that much thought into it. Yeah, and it's just not a very exciting conflict, as you said already, because I think Mewtwo as an antagonist is pretty interesting because he is supposed to be the most powerful Pokemon. And I do think that there's an interesting setup in him being a genetic experiment and he doesn't really know what his place in this world is supposed to be because most Pokemon partner up with humans and he, of course, can't do that because he was supposed to be this abomination. So I think Mewtwo is an antagonist. And he thinks humans are bad, but he obviously sees something in Tim at some point, Tim and right, Pikachu. Right, sure, which I'm not sure what that is because he doesn't really exhibit a lot of positive characteristics throughout the movie, but maybe right. that's just me. But the thing is, Mewtwo isn't even the antagonist here. It's just some human put into Mewtwo's body, and that person becomes the antagonist. And, and that was but, but, but the least exciting way to resolve that. But then the movie also like makes you think that the bad guy is actually Bill Nye's son, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it's like, really really quickly all of a sudden no actually the bad guy's bill knight and we don't really get to understand why uh i guess i mean he obviously had some health problems and that was part of why he wanted to like take advantage of this but like it turns him into someone like very sinister very fast mm-hmm. and i think that's a problem and on top of that you know maybe that it could have just been interesting if they had like followed that premise a little further down the rabbit hole but they undo it within like five minutes you know, like, uh, you, like all of a sudden, like Lucy ends up being put into Psyduck, but then that lasts for literally, I don't know, five minutes. It's like, yeah. why, why don't you see like what that would have looked like if Tim had had to figure it out while navigating up like a personless world somehow, or I, I don't know. Like it just, it's like they, they just had to like go from point A to point B to point C to point D, like all within like seven minutes, it felt like. Right, and the whole reason that that's the big master plan where you fuse humans and Pokemon is obviously to set up the big twist at the end. Right. But, but, but they, they, they don't explain that, which is like the a really yeah, big problem the other too. Thing, yeah. It's like, okay, well, like Mewtwo undoes all of that, but like at first he needed to save uh-huh. Harry's body by putting it into Pikachu, but then uh-huh. all of a sudden now that he's undone, all the other damage that the R potion has done to everyone else, he's like, all right, now Harry's healed. It's like, wait, what, what? Yeah, exactly. So why wasn't he able to heal Harry initially? Why can he do it now all of a sudden? But, but, but on top of that, like maybe they explain it, but they explain it by having Mewtwo talk for like a good minute, except the problem is like they make Mewtwo's voice such that like it's not that easy to understand. And uh-huh. it's like, it's, it's, it's already bad enough. You're just going to like, kind of explain this massive twist with just like a big exposition dump, but then you're delivering it through like the hardest character to understand how they speak. And I guess the other thing I didn't really understand is, so first of all, did Harry retain his memories from when he was Pikachu, when he becomes a human again? And the other thing I thought was kind of strange, especially because Ryan Reynolds is the one playing him, Pikachu was kind of fun and quirky. And then the actual human Ryan Reynolds is kind of grim and very serious and kind of awkward with the sun. I thought that was kind of strange. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I mean, like... And again, because, like, they don't really explain, like, what he... Does he remember anything? Because, like... Uh, I don't know. Like, if, if, if maybe if he didn't remember anything, then maybe that just... You're right. It, it doesn't make much sense. I was trying, I was trying to, like, uh, rationalize it. It's like, man, if he remembered all the messed up stuff that happened and now he realizes he was inside of a Pokemon, like, maybe uh-huh. he's just, like still weirded out by that but that doesn't really explain why like pikachu is like pikachu acts more like ryan reynolds and ryan reynolds acts like ryan reynolds yeah because that's where if we had 
gotten any kind of clarification on the relationship between Pokemon and humans, that would have been helpful because maybe Ryan Reynolds becoming part of Pikachu meant that he took on Pikachu's personality and Pikachu by nature is a very fun Pokemon, like very excited. Mm -hmm. And maybe some of Ryan Reynolds, I guess, Harry's personality fused with Pikachu's personality, but they never explain any of that. You have to assume it. And it sounds ridiculous when I say it now because the movie never ever attempts Mm -hmm. to really give us any clarity on it. So I just have to assume and I might be totally wrong. So yeah. Not a good job on the movie's part there. Yeah. No, I mean, but like, I think that's, I mean, I don't know, man. I, th- I feel like you fairly well covered it. I don't know. Is there, is there any aspect of this movie that we haven't really talked about? Like, I, th- it's just, there's not a lot to talk about with this ending. Like, we, like, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, I, I, I mean, we, we kind of saved it for the end, so I'll be able to throw a spoiler tag in there. But, like, I mean, it's just so, it's so quick and not all that well explained. And therefore, I don't really think it's, I, I really think that's like the, the movie's biggest weakness other than just like, not I mean I guess you think the movie's mostly a big weakness overall but like I mean I don't know I, I guess like I guess it was just like visually interesting enough to look at and I liked some of the banter so I was like all right this is fine like I'm not like hating my life right now like I might at some other big blockbuster misses but I don't know it, it did feel like a pretty big missed opportunity for a movie that's already going to make money to like have actually like been of like a really good quality and maybe I don't know, just been an even bigger success than it might end up being. I, I'm not, it, does, it didn't leave me excited for like a Pokemon 2 or 3, that's for sure. Yeah, or their Super Smash Brothers franchise that they're obviously setting up here with Pokemon and now Sonic the Hedgehog coming out later this year. Oof, man, that's, yeah. that, oh god, I hadn't even really considered that um, because like <laughs> I, 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 my mind just hadn't gone there because it was like, man, that Sonic thing's like already a mess, you know, like it's like they're having to like go reshoot every scene that has Sonic in it or something like that because people didn't like how it looked in the trailer. It's like yeah. if you're already at that point and you're trying to create some kind of ex- Super Smash Brothers extended universe and you're like you're like kind of behind the eight ball, kind of behind the Pokeball. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, is I mean, I don't know, like. So, did you have any other thoughts? I mean, um, at all? Like, I, I, other than that, I, I had maybe a couple of things I want to say about the performances, but I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm just genuinely surprised that it's still sitting at a fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It has like a 63, 64 percent. Yeah, right especially now. given how skeptical everyone was, like, well, going into it. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, normally I get the sense movie critics sometimes grade stuff on a curve during the first couple months of the year because there's literally nothing out but they tend to be ruthless during the summer because you have a new blockbuster coming out pretty much every weekend especially especially in the wake of like avengers when everyone like was you think they'd be holding all the other blockbusters to pretty high standards since avengers is so well received yeah i'm genuinely shocked this didn't get ripped to pieces because here's the thing I, i agree there are some things you can find in this movie to keep yourself entertained but that flies with the typical audience. It doesn't really fly with movie critics. Right. So I'm very surprised that it's still sitting at a semi-decent uh, score. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I agree, even if like I didn't come out of it like hating it as maybe or as strongly disliking it as you did like i i do think it's like surprised that it's very surprising that it's uh that it's still fresh uh one other thing i think would have made me feel a little bit better about the movie was that like i'm not i I feel weird saying this about such an inexperienced actor but i'm just not a huge fan of justice smith uh like i mean i thought he was like the worst part of the jurassic world movie last last summer Uh, oh that's right yeah wasn't a fan of his presence in that movie he's that also wasn't good i mean i he was fine and like i it wasn't a good movie but he wasn't actively bad in paper towns uh which came out four years ago now at this point um and then he was in every day which is like this really silly ya movie last year that i saw for some reason (laughs) maybe just because i liked angry rice where she just falls in love with someone who 
whose spirit jumps from person to person. Um, oh God! And yeah, like, and he played one of the people she fell in love with, and uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was it was not good. And I was like, I've just like someone decided this guy was going to be a big thing, and he's going to be in this movie later this year called All the Bright Places by the director Brett Haley, who did who he's the guy that did Heartbeats, Hearts Beat Loud, and. Um, huh. and, uh, the hero, the Sam Elliott movie from the year before and the year before that he had the, I'll see you in my dreams with Blythe Danner makes like these really good small movies that I like. And this new one's going to have Elle Fanning starring opposite Justice Smith. And I like Elle Fanning and I don't like yeah. Justice Smith. So I'm just like, I'm just worried he's going to ruin, he's just going to make it like a lot lesser because like he's just a weaker actor than just about everyone he shares a screen with in this movie. Like even that car and Sony guy, the guy from Deadpool is just like, uh, he's even a better actor than him. Like I, I, I just felt like between that and like Catherine Newton and just other people he interacts with, it's like, I don't know. I just didn't buy him. And I'm not usually someone that comes on here and like criticizes performances all that much. I normally think it's just more on the writing and not that this movie is that well written, but it's like, it's not that often where I'm just like, I didn't think that was person was giving good performance. I, I might praise performances. I don't often criticize them. And I feel bad saying that because it's like, he hasn't done a lot of stuff, but I've just happened to see like everything he's in. So I might've left it feeling a little better if like the lead performance is better, but I just like, I, w- I wasn't feeling it. I, I guess I get the idea of pairing Pikachu up with a character that's more of a wet blanket, which is part of the problem. I just think he's not a very fun, charismatic guy. Yeah. And you know, Pokemon especially is such an inherently fun franchise to have a lead like that. I just think that also drains some of the energy and enthusiasm out of the movie. And I'm not sure if that's just his performance. I just think the way the character was written just True. didn't lend itself uh, to this whole premise. Right. Uh, but but I haven't really seen him in anything else, so I can't make the same comparisons that you just did. Right. You didn't see Jurassic World? Oh, yeah, I did. But I honestly totally forgot he was in it. I had a lot of problems with that. <laughs> he was nowhere near the top of my list. So Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, honestly, I didn't recall he was in that. But I did see Jurassic World, for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, well, I mean... I don't know, man. I, I appreciate you uh, talking about this one with me, though, because, again, it's, it's, we're at a weird post-Avengers point right now. Like, we got John Wick 3 coming out this weekend, but, like, I feel like we're not quite to the hardest summer movie season yet because, I mean, Avengers, it's barely summer, like, in April. I guess that's still spring, so it's, like, you know. Captain Marvel is still in the top ten at the box office. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, that's I mean, like, I guess that's not super surprising. Like, I know Black Panther hung around for a really long time last year, and mm-hmm. uh, so it's funny that it's, like, still out when we're, like, what, in past – past the third weekend of Avengers and Captain Marvel's still out. So uh, I guess that shows you, like, I mean, maybe John Wick will be the thing that kicks it off the screens this weekend. I don't know. I'm sure it'll, maybe they'll hang around to get to, like, another uh, box office marker. All right, man. Well, before we get out of here, do uh, you want to plug your letterbox? Of course. Uh, letterbox, as always, is Fred Kolb, F-R-E-D-K-O-L-B. Uh, do you mind if I pluck two things very quickly? Oh, yeah. You, you're the one that's kind of started Recommendation Corner here. So if you have anything else you're wanting people to watch, feel free to right. plug it. Right. So I'm sure everybody has the HBO subscription or is using a friend's HBO subscription hmm. or their parents' HBO subscription to watch Game of Thrones. And I, I, fall, I, I fall into the third of those categories. There we go. So a lot of people will probably cancel it next weekend if they haven't already after last weekend's episode. Uh, don't. A couple of good things out there. Um, the first one I want to recommend is... Uh, the best show right now on HBO about uh, people getting burned to death, which is Chernobyl, which is a really interesting and very intense television show, uh, miniseries actually, with Jared Harris and Stellan Skarsgård and Emily Watson about the Chernobyl disaster in 1986. Really gritty stuff and just very uh, depressing to watch, but also very insightful and one of the big catastrophes uh, uh, that happened um, not in our lives, but in our parents' lives. Right. And the other thing is uh, Deadwood. I've been watching that uh, over the last couple Ooh, of weeks. It, so is this your first time ever watching Deadwood? 
It is, yes. Okay. Um, and here's the reason why. Because that show got cancelled when it first aired, and there was never a satisfying resolution, apparently. But now, on May 31st, the long-awaited movie is finally coming. What, which is supposed... uh, what part are you at? Like, what se- what, in what season, what episode? How far in? Uh, season 2, episode 8, 9, I think. Yeah, so I watched Deadpool. I mean, not De- Deadpool. Deadpool, yeah. Uh, uh, very different. I watched Deadwood, like... Shoot, I, sometime in college, and I've I, I'm I really loved it, but like I've been like meaning to just like go do a full rewatch in advance of the movie. I'm not going to be able to. I haven't started it yet. It's only it, it was unfortunately only three seasons, so I won't take me forever to do it. I don't think I'm gonna be able to watch the movie like right when it drops because I'm gonna do a full rewatch first. Cause it, Deadwood is like really good. It's a great recommendation. And the other the one only other thing I'll say though, one place I thought you were going when you're like, oh, there's another show on HBO about people getting burned to death. I thought you were going to say Veep because people get <laughs> people people in a, get burned to death with words on that show. I mean, if you just yeah. if you immerse yourself in that show, you'll become much more better at insulting people. And uh, it just ended its entire series though this past Sunday night, and you know ended it in like a much more effective way than I would say Game of Thrones is ending. There's like a lot of really good content out there uh, out there on the internet just about how like it made their 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 primary female character ended at a certain point that felt much more earned than where it feels like Game of Thrones is taking Daenerys. And for a movie, that, for a show that's very, very silly and you wouldn't think takes itself too seriously, it actually kind of ended on a fittingly uh, serious note in some ways. And I think it's really impressive how they did that. So if you like politics at all or just really like to laugh, I highly recommend watching Veep. But yeah, uh, as for myself, though, like you can still find me on Letterboxd at Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y. The podcast finally has a Twitter, Rewind Movie Pod, so you can follow us there. And on Spotify, just search The Rewind Josh. So, uh, Fred, thanks again. I'm sure we'll get you back soon again at some point in summer movie season. Uh, everyone else, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, next week, we'll have podcasts on uh, – shoot, I'm going to butcher this name. We're going to do the Zac Efron Netflix movie uh, in incredibly vile shockingly evil and <laughs> uh extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile thank you and uh i have that and uh john wick three parabellum so everyone stay tuned for that and thanks for listening